there's really nothing sadder than the thought of a Tasmanian tiger. Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you as always to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. Listeners, if you like groundbreaking content, you've come to the right place. And like we've done many times before, we're about to push the bounds of what can be done on a podcast. But before we go any further, I'd like to introduce someone. Many of you already know him. He's the co-host of Varmints. Please join me as we welcome Paul Chomo. Hey, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. We're also joined by three other friends of ours from the podcast community. First is Keith Gala, one of the co-hosts of the Pop-Up Filmcast. Keith, how are you? I am good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Next, we have Drew Mick. He's the co-host of Headline Heroes. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And finally, we've got Derek Glasscock, the host of The Wild Pitch and the other co-host of the Pop-Up Filmcast. Derek, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here tonight. You bet. We appreciate it. All right, guys. So here's what we're going to do. This show is called I Was Into Their Earlier Stuff. So one at a time, I'm going to give one of you the name of a band. You're going to give us their brief backstory. It might include their history, some of their songs or their albums, the names of their band members, whatever you want to tell us. That would be great. Afterwards, the others can ask questions or add what they remember about the band. Then we'll play a song from their catalog. There's going to be two rounds, and each of you will go once per round. Make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Excellent. At the end, we'll put together a music festival from the six bands we've introduced. We'll decide which band will open, who will be the headliner, and then the order in between. Then, before we wrap up, we'll give the festival a name. Uh, Actually, one more thing before we get started. Before all you guys joined us, I needed to determine the order that you guys were going to go in. Mm. And I was having trouble deciding, so I took a break to practice axe throwing in my living room. Mm. (laughs) It was actually going really well until one of them slipped out of my hand, and it sailed out of the living room into the kitchen, where it sliced off a piece of a giant cheese wheel that I had sitting on the counter, and then a small piece of the cheese wheel fell on the ground, and a cartoon mouse grabbed it and started running away. And before he could disappear into the half-circle hole into the baseboard, I asked him what order we should go in. He paused outside the door just long enough to flip me off with the middle finger of his little (laughs) mouse hand. So, Drew, you're going to go first. Oh, that little mouse? Keith, you're going to go next. Real real quick, real quick, Chris. (laughs) Yeah? Was it the right or the left mouse hand? Golly, that's a great question. I'm trying to visualize. Or was it a double mouse hand? And also, what kind of cheese? <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, we have a whole collection of cheese wheels in the house, and so I don't remember oh. which one it was. <laughs> because the type of cheese and which hand it was really determines whether he said Drew or not. No, he definitely said Drew. Okay. <laughs> he, he definitely said Drew. Yeah. But, and I think it was Gouda. I think it was a giant wheel of Gouda. Oh, uh, I'm definitely okay with that. That is fine. Okay, good. And then, Derek, to answer your question... I think he's left-handed. I think he used his left hand, which... Most cartoon mice uh, are, actually. Well, and he, and he only had four fingers on, on each hand, so he was definitely a cartoon mouse. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that or the axe got him, like, got, got him as oh, well. Oh, dear. Yeah, you never know. I mean, accidents happen. <laughs> yeah. So, Drew, you're, you're going to go first. Keith, you're going to go second. And Derek, you'll go last. And we'll do two rounds, um, and we'll go in that order. Sounds good. Excellent. All right. All right, Drew, you ready? Yes. Doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Please tell us everything that you remember about the great band Junior Jimmy Brigade. Junior Jimmy Brigade. Um, I, as I recall, I believe they were late 90s, maybe early 2000s, best known for lots of uh, their bass beats. Um, and mostly they were all about, early on, they were all about, um, you know, growing up and coming of age. As they progressed, though, they kind of started to get a little more weird, a little more uh, experimental. Um, they were, they became, they tried to try different instruments. They were best known for like electric tambourine solos and stuff like that. They did have a lead singer that went off and tried to create, um, a solo career for herself, um, which comprised a lot of, with a lot of slow funeral dirges, um, stuff like that, really trying to appeal to that, uh, funeral wake crowd. Um, <laughs> they did have another member. This is a, this is a fun fact, uh, went off and tried to, uh, join a cult. Which was interesting. Uh, they just, uh, it was in the middle of one of their tours. They had a concert to do and one of their, uh, their, their bassist was gone. Turns out he just went out, walked in the, the in, walking in the woods, found a cult, uh, that worshiped a giant wooden stick. Um, so yeah, he, wow. they kind of just wrote him out. Um, yeah. Um, 
they got their start. I believe they headlined at a um, Hungarian goulash festival, and um, they did. That's where they really, where they really took off. Not in Hungary, of course, but more popular in Northwest Territory of uh, Canada specifically. I couldn't tell you why that happened, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I know about uh, uh, Junior Jimmy Brigade. Yeah, I learned about them, uh, not directly the band itself, uh, but I did learn about them, uh, the, the solo career of, uh, Junior, well, it's not Junior Jimmy, but that's it. It's the solos at the funeral. I was at my grandpa's funeral and they, oh, yeah. they, she was there playing. And I really, I love then finding out about their, their other early work because it was no vocals at all with her songs at the funeral. It, yeah, uh, it's just, just a, a very, yeah, low didgeridoo kind of yeah <laughs> oh the didgeridoo uh the darth vader theme with the didgeridoo was amazing uh and really played well oh, I, yeah and you heard that live yeah oh it was it was amazing and i mean it's a funeral already so everyone's in tears but at your family member's funeral but i'm so yeah. jealous you got to see him live i mean it's it's already there's there's not really a dry eye in the house already but to then hear that pl- performed by the didgeridoo just really the, just everyone just in tears Wow. Man. Are you jealous that you didn't get to see them live? Because seeing them live meant being at a funeral. Yeah. 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 Uh, would would have loved to have seen them live. It would. It's very unfortunate that was a funeral, of course. But like. So you're, you're very envious that Keith knew somebody that died. Yeah. In the early aughts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very. The, the thing that I remember most is the attempt at the wooden stick worship. Yeah. Um, Man, because you you know when when you, when you find a band that really speaks to you, you kind of glom onto them and you just like really. And when they were experimenting with the wooden stick worship music, I was like, finally, something that speaks to me, wooden stick worshiping. But you know, they kicked that dude out and went back to funeral dirges. It was a weird time when they were trying to incorporate the cult into their band and mm-hmm. try and like play the wooden stick it was not not their best time that was i saw that on vh1 special i believe something like that that was mostly just a way for them to like reach out they were really just trying to gain extra extra fans at that point in time and not the best fans too you want a cult following but not really a cult and it, <laughs> it's super niche yeah the wooden, the wooden stick were, but i mean they would have got 15 dollars in the cd purchase from me but oh well <laughs> Hey Derek, did, were there other bands that you've enjoyed in the past that that were involved in wooden stick worship? Yeah, Stephen and the Seven Sticks. Um, <laughs> they did a lot of stick clacking and stick songs. I love that. Uh, Stephanie and the Six Sticks. They they were kind of like <laughs> they were a rival band. They came up at the same time. But Stephen and the Seven Sticks. Yeah, because there were seven sticks. Also, weirdly, Fleetwood Mac. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're weird. They're weirder stuff. And corn, corn had like a, a time when they got into stick playing, but we won't talk about them. So, Drew, what are a couple of some of your favorite songs by the Junior Jimmy Brigade? Um, so I liked some of their, like I said, more of the early stuff. Uh, Toilet Paper of My Heart. That's a good one. Um, Kitchen Hitchin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why Are You Looking at Me? Stuff like that. You know, that real. You know, like I said, coming of age. Like, it really helped me through, like, high school. So, Why You Look At Me, that was Junior Jimmy Brigade? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's one of those songs you hear on the radio, and you never really realize who it is. You just kind of like, yeah, and you nod your head when it comes on. Well, it's been covered so many times. Yeah, that, that's true, too. Yeah, and it's probably best known by uh, their cover by The Lampshades. Yeah. So, Drew, you definitely prefer their, their first three albums to their second three albums. Yeah. The Stick Worship slash uh, Electric Harmonica stuff, or Tambourine. Nah. N- n- not for me. I've always been a big fan of the fourth album, but you know that's just that's just me. Why is that? Uh, it, it really it it brought together the um, the original sound, the funeral dirge sound, and the stick sound. They tried to cram it all together to see if they can make it work for that one album. And I just mm. thought the experimental flair was there and just amazing. Yeah, they tried and some just- fusion stuff, and it was really really underrated. I have to agree. So their their fourth album was Levity the Sun, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I, I I think it was a little too experimental, but I didn't I didn't mind it. Yeah, the the lead song "Elevator to Nowhere" was that that's the one that always uh, really you know sticks with me over the years. At least once a year, I pull it up on Spotify. Reminds you of that funeral, of course. 
Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a song for a generation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Levity of the Sun had like eight skits on it and like six interludes. It was a bunch of filler material. Keith, you're crazy. And there was weirdly, there was some like record scratches on it that like they kept in, uh, even when it moved to CD and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just kept that in. Apparently, it was just part of the songs. That's static, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the point of being experimental is you're trying new things, and they certainly did that. And I, I appreciated that about that album. Yeah, they, they, they hold a special place. Absolutely. Uh, in, in music history and in and, and my heart. All right. So let's hear the single from their second album. This is Junior Jimmy Brigade with All the Pretty Girls. Once again, that was All the Pretty Girls by Junior Jimmy Brigade. Keith, you have the next band. Tell us all about Spontaneously Kung Fu. Uh, I Man, you know, I've only met you guys recently, but it's amazing that you're able to pull up uh, one of my all-time uh, college favorites there, uh, Spontaneous Kung Fu. I went on a road trip once when I was in college, and we went out to West Des Moines, Iowa, and that is where I first saw these guys play at, they were actually playing in somebody's house. Uh, it was wow. not even a house party. I was just driving through. My car broke down. I stopped. I went up. I knocked on somebody's door. I wanted to use their phone. And there was like 10 people sitting in the living room. And these guys came out. And they just started jamming away. And what, I, to me, mostly can be described as like an alt, or like a alt, grunge polka type band uh it was it was something i had never heard of before and honestly i was supposed to be on my way to a job interview the next day uh, another state over and i stayed there and and just watched them as they played a six hour set uh deep into the night uh right there wow yeah it took me a few years then after that to to get back around to find out more about them um to find out that they were uh, they kind of changed their, their name a few times, but I was able to, to tie them back to Spontaneous Kung Fu, and I found a very cool album uh, called One Two Kickstep Slapface, and I, I really oh it, yeah 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 it's it's hard to find on Spotify or anything. I've just got a I've got a random uh, you know I've got a just a random like looks like a one of those old recordable CD type things. And it just has, uh, you know, some stuff written on it about them. Uh, but it's great. And I, you guys really took me back in a, uh, a nice, uh, throwing that name out there really takes me back to, to some good old days. Keith is remembering a lot tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me, Keith, do you remember which state you were going to? That was one state over from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the one on the other side. <laughs> Which one would that be? Uh, well, actually, I was cutting through and up, so I would have been going to, uh, I do believe, North Dakota. Okay, that checks out, yeah. Eventually, that yeah, you'd eventually get to North Dakota, I think, yeah. on that trajectory. If yep. I go straight, it's like a diagonal, and I go there, it, then I could end up there. Yeah, so it, it makes it, it seems not like it's one state over, but yes, it was a big job interview. I never got to the, I never got the job because I never got the interview. Um I was, Did uh, you just, get there, or are you just too busy jamming with the uh, spontaneous, spontaneously kung fu? I'll be honest; like four days went by, and I was still at that house. Wow, that's what they do. It still, my car had been fixed like within an hour. They helped me out with like the tire and stuff like that within an hour. But man, I I just sat around, just hanging out and watching these guys. They left. They came back two days later. They played again. I guess this is where they practiced, but I thought it was like a live show they were doing. Uh, but it was just really kind of cool. Um, eventually, they they kind of, I think they kind of asked me to leave after a while. But that's just, and then, yeah, I didn't get the job. But uh, Spontaneous Kung Fu and, man, it, yeah, it's it's that really, it's got like a, it, the, the, the 
I wasn't expecting at all to hear the voice out of that guy either. When when you first hear him, it's 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 not what you expect when you see what he looks like. Oh, really? I've never actually yeah. seen a picture of the guy. Spontaneously, you've never seen him. Spontaneously, yeah. Nobody has. That's I saw him because I was there. <laughs> I'm glad you you brought up the the. I've heard rumors like they they have this reputation online of being just like really good guys. So the fact that they helped you with your your car problems and then just let you chill there for four days before politely Wait, ushering you out so the window. Spontaneous Lee and his band fixed your car in an hour? No, well, some other people living in the house oh. while they were playing, but oh, okay. I was just sitting sure. there and I was mesmerized. And I'll be honest, so their, their, their second uh, EP that they put out had a song called man on my couch why won't you leave and it's oh it's about me (laughs) is that you yes oh man that's crazy it's it's amazing it you don't you don't understand i mean because of the fact that it is in a foreign language as well you can't understand exactly what it's saying but uh yeah man on the couch why won't you leave is i've kept that secret even derek didn't know this story but now that you say that and uh, when there's so many times Keith's son is said in that song. Uh, it's you. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and then my memory was is that two albums later, they came out with a sequel to that song, and I think it was a lot more literal and direct, and it was Keith, seriously, get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was you, I, I assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's still me, because okay. they wrote that one. It didn't come out to like, two albums later, when they were doing, like, a best of, like, collection of, like, uh, rare B-side, best of and rare B-sides, because it's something else that they recorded, like, the third day I was there. Oh, so it wasn't, like, a reprise, wow. like, several years later, they were like, remember that time? No, And no, they no, made no, a song? No, they, oh, okay. No, they dug it up, and they were like, oh, remember that guy? Let's just put it out again. They mm-hmm. they were nice enough to reach out to me on uh, on Facebook and, and let me know that it was coming out. That way, I wouldn't be blindsided by it. But mm-hmm. you know, I still remember it as a great time. And you know, part of me feels bad that I, I really overstayed my welcome. Uh, but yeah, uh, spontaneous kung fu, spontaneous Lee, and spontaneous kung fu were were so good. You did mention um, that they went by other names early on and changed names before finally settling on that one. I remember off the top of my head they went by uh, Star Liver. Uh, what what else did they used to go by? Um, uh, mm, can't think of a word. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was calculated decisionly kung yes. fu, uh, and hesitant hesitant kung fu. Yeah, hesitantly kung fu. Procrastinary. Yes, yeah. vocal fillers. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just just curious. Yeah, Vocal Fillers was a less ambitious version of the band. <laughs> yeah, not not a good version. Well, that's when spontane- Spontaneous Lee, uh, he stepped away for a bit to do his own solo thing, and they did uh, Vocal Fillers while he was gone. It was a, it was a amicable, like, I'm going to step over here, let me record this, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll do something to, together wow, so again. They had a rich history prior to you seeing them play in somebody's house. In your mini Woodstock situation that you kind of invited yourself <laughs> no, to. No, 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 no. No, I was seeing the very early days. And what I'm saying is, like, it took me a while to find them again because they oh. broke up. Well, not break oh. up. They switched names. Uh, they amicably stepped apart uh, for a little bit. Spontaneously did his thing and vocal fillers did their thing. Then they came back together. That's when I was able to find Spontaneous Kung Fu again after, like, a decade. Gotcha. I misunderstood. I'm not familiar with Spontaneously Kung Fu. Um but I mean, it, it sounded cool. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, I, it, you know, the first band, you know, Drew's emotions brought back. They brought back some really touching emotions and some heartfelt emotions because it was about my grandpa and him passing away. Is how I'm, I very much remembered uh, the Junior Jimmy Brigade. However, this one much more positive uh, vibes and positive feels. Even though they forced you out of their house and told you to never come back, it's still like a great five six <laughs> days that I was there. It was awesome. Wow, in, mm. in West Des Moines, Iowa. You stayed for six days even though they changed your tire in an hour? <laughs> yes, 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 I did. He was lost. He was just lost, like, in the in the, in the the tunes. <laughs> and so you totally blew off <laughs> a very important job interview once stayed over, supposedly, to hang out with Kung Fu. The, the worst part about this, the worst part about this is they, I left after five days, and I just stayed out on the porch, and I slept out there, and I listened wow. to the band through the window for, like, one more day. That's how great these guys were. 
Wow. I'll lay some knowledge down as, as an Iowa native. I, I just got to say, it's probably a little bit West Des Moines kind of drew you in as well. It's just once you get there. <laughs> the corn. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Keith, are you saying that they played the entire time you were there? Off and on, but like I wouldn't, I, I was waiting for them to come back constantly. I was like, I don't want to miss the next show. Even though it was really, I think, just practice now that I think about it. And they just had some friends sitting there. Keith was trying to pay admission. And they were they were like, no, this you don't understand. Well, it was, a, it was like a Saturday night when I first got there. So I thought it was like a, that they were like playing at somebody's house. And I was just going to hang out. So they played again. And then yeah. they kept showing up like, you know, every other day. And I figure I'll practice. But it sounds like like they played a normal, like a th- maybe a two or three hour set on a Saturday night. And then a five day encore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 144 wow. hours of spontaneously. <laughs> Pretty much every time I got ready to jump in the car and leave, the guys showed up to like do their thing, and I was like, oh, crap, I'm, I, I'm sticking around again. Yeah, the work ethic of that band is just legendary. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I think the depth of Keith's fandom is really showing out, too. Like, when he loves something, he loves something. I'm learning a lot of things about Keith tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are. Some, some good, some bad. Yeah, sorry about your grandpa. That's rough. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. I think I got to hear I got to hear some great music. Yeah, yeah, he would have loved it. Very jealous. Hey, can you guys move on to Derek a little bit? Because I'm getting torn up here. Oh again. dear. <laughs> I'm, it sounds like I'm laughing, but I'm crying actually. Uh, <laughs> well, let's cheer things up and listen to one of their biggest hits, shall we? This is yes. this is from their album One Two Kick Step Slap Face, which you which you talked about. This is the Chinese buffet peel and eat shrimp tray polka. was once again the Chinese buffet peel and eat shrimp tray polka by spontaneously kung fu our next band Derek is going to tell us all about they are called Dairy Queensryche oh sure man Dairy Queensryche so Dairy Queensryche uh, they started off uh, as a bunch of Dairy Queen employees, believe it or not, Dairy Queen and Brazer, uh, you know, they're slasher because they had they had burgers and dogs and, and chicken fingers as well. And, and they used to play all of their music through the drive through. Uh, so when you put when you pulled up, they had wow. a demo queued up and they would play it. You know how you know how like a lot of the uh, the the. The newer drive-throughs, they have that pre-recorded "Welcome to McDonald's." Would you like to try one of our super scrumptious garbage pails? Right. So they that's have that's exactly that. what it sounds like. Yeah. And then and then you you get like confused. And you're like, no, I don't want a garbage pail. I just want a Big Mac. And they're like, can I help you? That happens, right? So it was kind of this was like the precursor to that. This happened in like '05, I think. So the Dairy Queens where I could pull up. And you'd be like, man, I want a blizzard or whatever. You pull up, and as soon the first thing you hear is, you know, their song "Hail the Sky," and you're just like, man, they, what are they talking about? I just, I just want Oreo blizzards. Um, and you, you'd endure like 45 seconds of that, and if you were quick, you could back out and drive away. But somebody would usually pull in and block you in, so you get stuck. Listen to their demo, and that that was how they got started. And I think uh, Rick Rubin pulled into their Dairy Queen one time and heard something off of them. I, it wasn't Hail the Sky because they moved on beyond that. That was a really upbeat and kind of hippy dippy. Uh, they tried to go harder edge, uh, probably like two or three years into their Dairy Queen's Um 
and, and really hit home with some some harder drums and heavier bass. And Rick Rubin heard that and actually had them record an album that was never released but was used entirely for sampling off of Beck's fifth album. All right, so if you if you remember I, I, Beck's fifth album, I can't remember which one that was. Uh, Anyway, they sampled a ton off of Dairy Queen's Reich, uncredited because Rick Rubin bought the rights to it. it it's, a, it's a messy story for that. Uh, but once they got that that check from Rick Rubin, Dairy Queen's Reich, there was another guy that's in the band that split off. There's that That's kind of been a common theme, a lot of people splitting off and doing stuff. And he started Dairy Third Reich, not as popular. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, it slowly and, turned into Orange Julius, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, so that was not good. But Dairy Queens were like, uh, they, they're doing – today, you could still catch them if you're lucky, like uh, county fairs, not even state fairs, but county fairs, uh, they'll pop up. Uh, and, and it's a shame what happened to them because they, they, were, they were like that original like grinding it out, like back in the 80s when, when like uh, – bands and hip-hop artists they'd, they'd have a bunch of tapes in the back of their trunk and like you know blasting it and trying to sell it out there they were actually trying to sell it through the drive-through right like oh you, you, would you like to add for 5.99 you know our album uh uh you know it was a bold move yeah 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 uh, you know very presumptuous <laughs> little, of them yeah little known fact uh, Rick Rubin is the one who named them Dairy Queensryche before they were going as Peanut Buster and the Parfaits <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow, that that was a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he really st- he really gave them a lot more of a a, a street cred with with a new name because the other one the other one sounded much more like fifties rock, and this this really kind of more uh, you know was a, a very much in the era name uh, Darius Queenreich. Yeah, D- D- Dairy Queen. Darius Queenreich. Darius Queenreich was an entirely <laughs> different artist. Uh, yeah, Dairy Queens, right? Though, yeah, they were more like hippy dippy. Like, the, yeah, they had like, hippy dippy cone, maybe. Mm-hmm, I don't know, uh, but yeah, like the first, the first ever band that I've ever heard of that really peddled their stuff through the drive-through. Yeah, the first, the first album, Lactose Tolerant, was great. Where they really wholeheartedly embraced lactose. <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah, an I endorsement. Mean, well, you kind of have to if you're going to be a Dairy Queen. I mean, you can't not. You kind of have to be all for it. Well, that's so. a good point. And, th- and then I actually remember because there was a guy that worked at Dairy Queen, and he had a b- another band that was also Dairy Queen themed, and it was Orville and the Oreo Blizzards. Oh, yeah. Mm. But then he he made manager and got moved to a different store, and so he couldn't be part of the new band. Yeah. Mm. That was a that was a problem they had too because like retention at a Dairy Queen is really low, so they were constantly looking for new drummers and bassists. And they had one manager that actually she graduated high school and then went away to college. So and, and she was the lead singer. So actually, what we uh, what we hear on like "Hail the Sky" their their big song, uh, that's actually uh, she was a shift manager that got promoted to assistant manager. Her name was Emily. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every summer you would get a new lineup of, of of kids that were in the band. It was really weird. Yeah, new high school students. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this is the first single from their album, Lactose Tolerant. A little bit of backstory behind this. Um, the song is called Please Pull Forward to the Next Window. And it was really clever because people would just follow the instructions, but they didn't know that that was the beginning of the song. So this is Please Pull Forward to the Next Window by Dairy Queensryche. That was Please Pull Forward to the Next Window by Derry Queensryche. Thank you so much, Derek. Our next band up is Elephant Man Crush Drew. Tell us all about Elephant Man Crush. All right. So 
Elephant Man Crush is the epitome of a one-hit wonder band. Um, they had their song, uh, uh, it's a one-hit wonder and I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's called Pillow on Your Face. Um, yeah, that's it. They were best known for, in that song for their fast paper. Uh, fast-paced lyrics their uh clever rhymes and whatnot but what they it was just a bunch of guys getting together in a garage and they recorded that song and they posted it and it got hugely popular and after that they didn't do anything else they just had a great social media presence and they just had that one song and everyone just loved them so then people would you know be trying to get them book them uh, at places um and they would just lie and say yeah they'd do it but then people would show up at these places thinking elephant man crush would be there and guess what they weren't uh because they weren't really a band anymore um and people were just so embarrassed that they had shown up and, and kind of felt like they had been tricked a little bit but then they would just go around saying they were they were just so embarrassed they would go around saying oh yeah the the, the elephant man crush oh they were so great and um uh, the band was amazing it had such a great time so from there kind of spread from word word of mouth and stuff like that um social media um just but again no band after that one song just people really kind of scamming for money because obviously places would put down a deposit for them to come in um no one has really blown the whistle on them which it's kind of a problematic thing urban legend has it is that the the band actually does attend most of those shows they just stand near the back yeah just kind of in different various disguises but Mm -hmm. the disguises are kind of worthless because no one really knows what they look like yeah they didn't really send any pictures out of of themselves just 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 that one song just that sweet sweet song pillow on your face pillow on your face yeah Mm -hmm. what are some of the lyrics to pillow on your face again i'm having i I'm normally really good at this, and, and we've we've hit like a lot of these uh, these acts that have really kind of fallen into my wheelhouse so far tonight. But I, I'm misplacing that song. Uh, so later on in the song, there was a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the main chorus at the end, yeah. And that was supposed to be the pillow on the face, yeah. It was more disturbing than melodic. <laughs> it's amazing that how much how much traction that song got with the general population. Like people, it it was the quintessential graduation song that one year. Remember that? Like everyone would play it. You know? Everyone, overplayed. yeah, it was there. It was always at a graduation. You're just like, geez, Louise, this song was made for a purpose. <laughs> Thank God for vitamin C in the graduation song for coming in <laughs> yeah, and taking vitamin over. C, say, <laughs> I got the vitamin C's uh, replace pillow on your face. <laughs> it's the graduation song of well, forever, I guess. It really spoke to a lot of people, and I, I can't. I guess maybe I'm too old. I don't know. But yeah, it just didn't 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 really work for me. But I don't know. But yeah, you still know so much about them. It's amazing. I, I kind of consider myself a bit of a music buff. You know, I try or most of a music buff about the obscure things. And pillow on my face is is just the most obscure you can get. Well, they were just a star that burned so brightly for you know it was a short time, but they made such an impact on music for that brief period of time. So it was it was really impossible not to know about them. <laughs> if you, you know. went to any graduation, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Drake says he's influenced by him. Wow, holy cow. Yeah. You know what? Now, yeah, I can hear that. I can hear that with some of Drake's stuff. <laughs> All right, well, let's hear a little bit of the song by Elephant Man Crush, Pillow in Your Face. course was pillow in the face or i'm sorry pillow in your face how could i forget by elephant man crush next up keith tell us all about world's cutest dictators this world's cutest dictators uh they're also one of the greatest bands i'm a little embarrassed to tell the story of of where i i first heard about them and actually first saw them play live um you could tell i traveled a lot 
I, I'd go on these road trips. Like I said, I'd go to a job interview uh, in in North Dakota, and then I, you know, I got stuck in in West Des Moines. Uh, one time, I was down in in Tijuana, and I I, uh, I was at a local animal show, and uh, these guys these guys opened up uh, for they were like the opening act, kind of to get the crowd get the crowd going. Uh, they had a nice. Uh, a little bit of a of a nice southern twang to it, but also with like this, I don't know. It seemed like more of like a, I don't want to say an alt poppy sound to them, but yeah, they played uh, about six or seven songs that really got the crowd really revved up um, and and ready to go for this like really popular animal show that was going to be on uh, right after. Them, but they were the opening act, and it was it was great. And uh, you know. <laughs> I've never been back to Tijuana again, so I, unfortunately, like my knowledge of them, what they did, what they've done past that, uh, didn't has, hasn't gone very far. But I, I picked up the small cassette while I was there. Uh, I picked up cassette, I put it in, and I, I listened to it uh, quite a number of times on on my drive back uh, from that. And uh, yeah, the the world's cutest dictators. It's they're they're good stuff. So if if a normal cassette is a let's 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 try to think of it like in terms of size. In relative size, let's call a normal cassette a horse-sized cassette. <laughs> Did you? Are you saying you picked up a donkey-sized cassette of the world's cutest dictators? Yes, yes, yeah. And sure. boy, did they put on a show! Um, it, but it, it was, yeah, and it's because it, it was like an EP. I mean, it's a little bit smaller than a full than a full-size cassette, and it had like four songs on one, two more. When you say. You left Tijuana, and you don't know what they did after that. Did you leave Tijuana right after they performed, or did you stay for your animal show? We're learning a lot about Keith tonight. <laughs> I'm loving it. Well, I uh, I was there for like um, again so, a little bit. I was I I hope this really doesn't get out too much to the to the general public. I was there for a little while. It had to do with not only the show I saw, but there was a little jail time involved. I had a Walkman. I did listen to a lot of World's Cutest Dictators while I was there. They let you keep a Walkman um, in jail? No, I had a. Uh, I I had a. I had a. I had a trade to get it. I'm gonna tell you oh. what. If I went to Tijuana, went to a particular animal show, saw the World's Cutest Dictators open up, and then I did jail time and was in prison with a Walkman, I would have used the headphone cord to kill myself. I would have hung myself from the jail prison bars because that's the worst life ever. <laughs> Sorry, Keith. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. That's rough. Rough. Yeah. Well, here's the other tough part is I, you know, I had to, you know, basically I had a, most of the cash that I had on me, which, you know, I had to basically trade that uh, to the guard in order for let me to let me use his Walkman uh, wow. so that I could listen to this for these several days. They let you keep cash in jail? No, when I came in, I oh, had okay. cash. I had I had cash with me. <laughs> Did you turn yourself in? No, <laughs> I didn't turn myself in. When they took me in, I had cash. I also had this cassette, and, I, and when they were going to take everything, I was like, what am I going to do? If I'm here for a couple of days, I need some entertainment. And I was like, dude, I got a couple bucks. Can I get that Walkman off you to listen to while I'm here? And he said, uh, I thought he said perfectly fine. Um, I'm not sure if I maybe mistranslated because he just took everything. Uh, he left the Walkman sitting there. I quickly pocketed it and then sat in, in like the corner of the cell until I was able to get out a couple of days later. I'll be honest. I don't know the world's cutest dictators, but the fact that you, your request while being arrested in Tijuana with the money you had was to get a Walkman with the world's cutest thing and not your freedom, they must have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. I had already I had already kind of made a few calls and realized that I was going to be stuck there for a few days. I, I really didn't have a choice. I did have a, a question about the world's cutest dictators. Mm-hmm. Are they the ones who kind of did what the uh, village people did in that they would come out dressed as dictators in very cute kind of cute garb but like there was four of them yes yes and but it was real and which made it even more confusing with the show afterwards yeah who who were the four dictators they dressed up as <sighs> definitely hitler was the leading man of course Mussolini, um, no, Mussolini uh stalin and uh, uh and the um the drag version <coughs> of napoleon oh wow wow yeah that was the lead singer yeah, I that that one always slips my mind. There was a fifth one, um, uh, Gaddafi, um, but they, he was kind of pushed out right away, pushed out of power, mm-hmm. if you will. 
Yep. He, yeah, they, uh, in fact, I think this might have been one of their first shows after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. It seemed like they were playing a circuit. In Tijuana, warming up, warming up a crowd for prisoners, yeah. An animal show. Yeah, no, they weren't warming up for prisoners, Drew. It was, I was at a show and. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm a very, at an animal show, everyone's held captive, so. I, I, I think if you're in that room, you're a prisoner. Eventually, later on in the evening, I ended up I ended up in a in in a, in a small jail cell for a while. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I just I just think about the world's cutest dictator, and I can't think straight, of course. But and then like and then the worst part was so I listened to it on the Walkman. I took it out, gave the guy his Walkman back when I got out. Uh, I went, I got in my car, I started driving back, and I uh, the tape popped like two miles into my drive. And so I couldn't listen to them anymore, and I was not going to go back and try and find somebody else to sell me another one. Well, let's hear a little bit of the world's cutest dictators, shall we? I wish I were a spaceman, the fastest guy alive. I fly across the universe, a fireball XL5. We out in space together, conquerors of the sky. My heart would be a fireball, a fireball. Every time I gaze into your starry eyes, you take the path. That, of course, was the world's cutest dictators. Now let's go on to our next band. Derek, tell us all about polyester oppression. So polyester oppression, man. When I when I first heard them. On, it was college radio uh, traveling through Des Moines, Iowa, as a matter of fact, <laughs> to going one state over. Uh, yeah, I, I heard them on the college radio it, with this this song about going to Houston and like this girl that was gorgeous. And, and it had this song that they wanted to like – remember the Stray Cats? They wanted to come back and – be like a new version of the Stray Cats. Uh, they had a, a one guy that was a big fan of the Doors, but not all, not Jim Morrison, but the the organist. I can't remember what his name was. Uh, anybody can help me out on that one. I can't remember. Um, Cardboard Willie. Cardboard Willie, the the organist, the famous organist for the Doors. <laughs> uh, he's a yeah. fan of him. Um, and, and the lead singer. Uh, you wouldn't call him a great vocalist, right? But uh, kids today would say he's got BDE, right? He had stage presence. He was out there. He had swagger. Uh, and he would just sing just so terrible. And there's something so endearing about it. Uh, and they had legions of fans throughout the Midwest for a good chunk of uh, like 06 to to – I don't know how recently. I, I kind of lost track. I stopped following them with it. not a whole lot of activity or albums lately. But uh, yeah, polyester depression, man. Just that I, I could still hear his shrill voice in my head. The stage presence and pyrotechnics at their shows made yeah. you forget all about his uh, not great singing voice. Yeah, like even the studio work, like they could not do anything in studio to bring his voice into like a reasonable pitch um, or a key. You know, it was he, just all over. And just he never flat. like played or when they performed, never had a microphone. He was just that loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just crazy. He could just belt and it wasn't good. Yeah. But everything else. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Blown away. What did you guys think when they brought in that female singer to sing harmony with him? She was great. She was great. It wasn't so much harmony as it was she was trying her best. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like maybe she was a little oppressed. Oppressed? Yes. And depressed as well. Um but never impressed. Uh I it's, I think you know, I don't want to I don't want to put like a story to her like I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I I bet you she saw it as a situation where she could really shine and and because they had a big fan base, maybe she could like use it as a springboard, but really uh, yeah, she she was kind of shackled to 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 Johnny. Yeah, that was his name, Johnny. I don't know if he even had a last name. No one cared. You're saying you don't even think he had a last name? Well, I mean, he may have been born with one, but he shed that long ago. 
like a guy like that with 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 that kind of energy and confidence does doesn't have room for a last name. He's like a Madonna or a Cher or yeah. Prince. Yeah. Back. Yeah, people you yeah. just don't know them other than by their one name. They're yeah. It's been stripped from the histories. Yep. So out in the entertainment world, people would just reference Johnny and you would know that he was the lead singer for the polyester oppression. In the Midwest, and yeah. I, yeah. And again, I've heard Johnny is not it's not like his name was like Johnny Smith or something. His name was something completely different. He just started calling himself Johnny. And he and, spelled and it just, really really weird. It's like <laughs> start with a D. Yeah, D J A H K N E E. Johnny. Wow. I mean, nowadays it'd be it'd make it awesome It'd be very googleable, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's like like uh, your 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 search engine optimization would be high with that name right there. Not a whole lot of people mm-hmm. with Johnny dot com. He'd have no problem getting a Twitter handle with a name like that. No. <laughs> well, now he might have had some fans, like because uh, they predated Twitter by a few years, so he might have had some fans as soon as Twitter came out. That oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at Johnny. So he might have had to be like at Johnny or the real Johnny, maybe, or Johnny with a silent D. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a long Twitter name, but <laughs> yeah, b- back then you could have Twitter handles that were like twenty characters long. That was where you got most of your message out there. It's, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't tweeting; it was your handle, of course. No, it was like your landing page. Was polyester oppression the one that had that entire album that drew inspiration from movies that had stampede scenes in them, specifically the stampede scenes? Yes. So really, it turned into that one scene from Lion King. Yes, there's the Lion King, Jurassic Park. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I I believe uh, uh, what was the, what was the the movie where Tom Cruise plays a Native American? Um, Mission Impossible. Yeah, there was a stampede scene in there too. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then there was that one album that did quite poorly, and it was and the entire album was just animal noises from extinct animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because after you got by the, you know, the uh, the interesting part of them, like actually having the sounds and hearing animals you hadn't heard, like that kind of effect, it, it's it's cool to listen to a couple times. But after that, it fell, it falls apart. It also feels like they didn't do as much research because, like, you can hear a cow in there, and like, I, I don't, a cow, like, a cow's alive. I, I don't yeah, know what they were thinking. There's cows everywhere. Right? Yeah, I, right. I remember that album. In uh, Johnny was really inspired by. He saw like a, a making of. Speaking of Jurassic Park, it, it must have been a big influencer uh, mm-hmm. because it, uh, whatever there was like. Uh, pig noises and whales noise they combine those to make the sounds of dinosaurs and he's like nobody's ever heard dinosaurs before so he tried to do that he, he would take a cow and a cat and kind of like play them over each other maybe backwards and like it's a dodo you know and it just it didn't really hit like his earlier stuff because people had already seen jurassic park and they're like yeah yeah <laughs> and, and they they knew what dinosaurs sounded like and as soon as as soon as Twitter did open up, Neil deGrasse Tyson immediately disproved the science of it. So, oh yeah, <laughs> he's always doing that. That's all he does. Plus, you know, even though people appreciated at least a little bit the creativity of it, that just gave way to depression because it was all about extinct animals. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's they're they're really kind of a roller coaster to me. Wow, there's really nothing sadder than the thought of a Tasmanian tiger. Well, it's funny that you should mention that. The clip that we have picked out is from the album Animal Noises from Extinct Animals, and uh, it's called Tasmanian Tiger. Well, I get high when I get to Houston. I get high when I see that girl. All right, that was Tasmanian Tiger from Polyester Oppression. Thank you, Derek. And well done, everyone. Excellent job. All right, we had Junior Jimmy Brigade, Spontaneously Kung Fu, Dairy Queensryche, Elephant Man Crush, World's Cutest Dictators, and Polyester Oppression. Now it's time to set our music festival, and this is all up to you guys. You need to choose which band will open, who's going to be the headliner, and the order in between. And of course, don't forget to give our festival a name. 
All right. I think because of the fact that, like, they haven't been seen in a long time. They really only had one big hit song. I mean, if you really want to build it up, build it up throughout the entire thing of this entire concert, I, I mean, Elephant Man Crush would be an amazing headliner. Absolutely. We could probably book them. Yeah. They would open the show and then do the encore. They'll just they'll bring the house down. Oh, wait. I just reached out to them on Twitter. They said they're in. I just paid them to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Didn't, didn't he need a Kickstarter for that? Wow, Drew with the Venmo. Nice. Yeah. So this is, this is not a hypothetical conversation. It's become very real very quickly. Yes. Yeah, so I really hope they, they've got a bad track record, admittedly, of not showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we, we, we do have to worry about the the, the fan crushers that come. They, they, they go wherever Elephant Man Crush is going to be at, and the fan crushers. But they, they buy merch. They buy a lot of beverages and stuff, so our show we could be paying for the entire show uh, just by just with them. Yeah, but they they put weird face makeup on and they put one of those plastic those like rubber elephant noses on, and they'll get in your face if you're not wearing a rubber elephant nose. It's just the most annoying fan base. Some of those guys actually they they strap the pillow to their face. It's crazy, but I, they drink a lot, so our our drink sales could be really yeah, good. Yeah, they, they they drink a lot That's of true. Fanta. You guys want to close the show with a band that may not show up? Oh, I thought we were opening with them. What does headline mean? Headliner is, is the is the the big act at the end. I was because I think oh, the, you're right. the most people show up for them, and they have such the biggest cult following. Plus, it's been I mean, it's been years. It would it would draw in the crowd, and they'd have to be there the whole time. However, to... I will say this though: uh, spontaneously, <sighs> kung fu they've been known to be to just jam for like hundreds of hours, and people don't leave. So do we want them <laughs> playing at any point prior to the other five bands? Well, I think they're kind of I think they're kind of in the middle because then you you know you got a little time where you can relax a little bit and you know you're yeah. still listening to a good jam session. And then you're hoping that they're going to come back on. But what if they go on for 5 days? And then, yeah, then you stay there. Yeah. How long is this music festival? Is it one day, two day, a week? How what? Well, by Keith metrics that's like, you know, 6 7 weeks probably you're going to be there even though it's done. Well, I've learned my lesson a few times. So. I mean, unless I'm stuck in jail again. But yeah, it's taken you multiple times to learn your lesson, Keith. 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 A lot of road uh, trips. A lot of road trips. Finding a lot of bands, guys. Yeah, I would say maybe a, t- a two day kind of thing. I have a question. Are you going to have to build an actual drive-through for Dairy Queen's Rake? Oh, good question. That might be a problem. Are you going to make everybody that attends the festival get in their car and drive through a drive-through just for that one act? That's admission. Yeah, that'll be admission. Yeah, I mean, you could play Dairy Queen's right could play for all the people that are uh, stuck in line paying to park. Oh, excellent! Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, then, then maybe it makes sense for Dairy, Dairy Queen's right to open. Yes, yes, yes. And the and opening is not like, hey, everyone, get in. We're going to start the show at a certain time. It's we're opening because we're going to play as you're just trying to get into the into the uh, the venue. I like that idea a lot. Are we indoor? Are we outdoor? I think it's outdoor. Outdoor venue. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm picturing this as I, a, I'm Drew. I mean, you're paying them. Uh, where, where, where'd we book uh, space? I at? did. I did tell them it's an outdoor thing, and they said, "Cool, we'll be there." Sure. Absolutely. And then they gave me their Venmo account. Yeah. <laughs> uh, information. Uh, what about in the like in the middle? What's gonna really pump it up? Because I, I I think there's no better like hype band to like really get things going in the middle when you're kind of in the slump then get some, get some dictators mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. the world's cutest dictators <laughs> world's cutest absolutely so, so we're doing uh, dairy queens reich is opening and then you want to go into world's cutest dictators from there cutest dictators yeah i think so now world's cutest dictators do have a history of opening up for animal acts um and if elephant man crush uh, is finishing now. Technically, they're not real elephants. Well, as far as we know, they're not real elephants. Would it make more sense to have them, right, pr- like warming up the crowd for the elephant man crush? I could see that. Yeah, and, and they do actually. The fans do bring an oh, elephant. Yeah. I just I didn't know if you guys all knew that, but yeah, they do bring the same elephant. Those fan crushers, man, they're crazy. That we're gonna put them third is what we're saying. No, I think we have them fifth. Yeah, they would be fifth, and then elephant man crush if they show up ending the show. I've got Dairy Queensryche in the opening mm-hmm. position. Yeah. Then World's Cutest Dictators in five, and Elephant Man Crush in six. And then I think... So we need two, three, four? Well, you put Spontaneous Lee, Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. Somewhere in the two, three, four spot. Did you want to put them third? I think third's mm-hmm. good. 
Yeah. We we could also leave it open and just let spontaneously be spontaneous. Oh, have them. It's kind I mean, of a floating it's, it's his name. performance. Yeah. Could be whenever. You get the three bands in the middle just hanging out, finding out when he's going to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they all are waiting on spontaneously, and like people start to they start to go out there, like they put one foot on the stage, and then spontaneously comes running out because he's, you know, spontaneous Lee, kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> but for logistics, we ha- we we have them in uh, we have them like in third, I guess, you know, just in case. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and then we say if you hop in at at two, like if you if you want to like go after. Yeah, we wouldn't mind. Like, well, that's what that's what spontaneously does. I think that spontaneously and uh, polyester oppression might actually they might actually jam pretty good together. Okay. So having like if if you have um, oh so yes yeah, so if you have uh, polyester oppression maybe come in after uh, Dairy's Dairy Queensryche, then you know spontaneously can just come in and start whenever he wants and it can just like go from one band over to the other if darius queens shows up at this show all all hell <laughs> so help me god there is so many people that hate that dude i said i said i said dairy queens i i corrected my speech yeah but you know that's that's darius that yeah. that's what he does Look, it's it's been it's been it's been widely known now uh, for you know months now that I don't know the difference between herb and herb. So if I'm saying <laughs> Darius Queenreich or Dairy Queensreich, I think people will they'll forgive me. But they're two different entities. Darius Queensreich is a renowned uh, a hole, and Dairy Queensreich, and he is not welcome here. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, so like we could. Uh, I mean, if. Dairy Queensryche is opening, and uh, Elephant Man Crush is closing, and World's Cutest Dictators are yeah. uh, warming up the crowd for Elephant Man Crush. Spontaneous Lee is at in the three spot, can go to two or four at any given moment. We don't know. Might be in the middle. Like uh, JJB, if if they're they're bringing the funeral stuff, I, they might be a real mood killer. Uh, so, do we do we need? Well, I don't know. People love their funeral stuff, though. So, <laughs> yeah, well, just ask yeah. Keith. <laughs> Keith was able to jam out at his grandfather's funeral because of JJB. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you're underestimating that didgeridoo. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you underestimate his power to really pump yeah, up the crowd. You're right. I swear to God, any time I hear a didgeridoo ever, it brings tears to my eyes thinking about their performance. Sure. Break it makes me break out in a cold sweat because I'm just so excited. How often is that, Keith? At least three times a year. Huh. <laughs> a lot less than I thought. A lot more than I thought, frankly. <laughs> well, I play I, I I mean I play I play I play their album at least once a year on the anniversary of my grandfather's funeral. Wow. Weird. And then, you know, I'm I usually watch uh Crocodile Dundee at least once a year and it's in there. And then sometimes just street performers here in Atlanta. The the random, the, the spontaneous didgeridoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does that leave them at the, the fourth position? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's a solid lineup there. Do we have our lineup then? Yeah. Great. Okay, let me just go over it real quickly. Yeah. We've got Dairy Queensryche working the drive-thru as the show opens. <laughs> then we transition to Polyester Oppression, who could be joined early by st- Spontaneous Lee Kung Fu who may not show up until the third spot. And then after that, we might still have spontaneous Lee Kung Fu, but that's when Junior Jimmy Brigade is going to come on stage. They're going to be followed up by the world's cutest dictators. And then if they show up, the show's going to close with Elephant Man Crush. I mean, Elephant Man Crush has been paid, <laughs> so I don't see why they wouldn't show up. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's great because, I mean, you know, the one thing that, you know, spontaneous Lee will have trouble like just jamming out to is if somebody comes in with a, a funeral dirge. I mean, he's a very respectful, uh, you know, him and the band, they're very respectful. If you come in with a funeral dirge, they will, that they will kind of shut down and they won't just continue to jam. So yeah, I think junior Jimmy brigade should be able to get them kind of right back in order. That makes sense. Great. Well, what should we call this music festival? I usually turn to Derek for these things. Uh, Man, I don't know. This 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 is such a weird collection of of music and personalities. It, it's not. Is this like the first annual? Do you think we'll get in trouble if uh, we call it Coachella? It depends on how you spell the cella part. I think. Okay. 
And plus, they're only there for like two weekends a year. We could actually probably use their space. What if we call it spontaneously and everyone else? Because, I mean, really, <laughs> it's really spontaneously show. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want to alienate the entire lineup. They're okay with it. <laughs> they know it's spontaneously. Elephant Man already seems a little uh, uh, alienated anyway. <laughs> the Elephant Man has shown up, too. They're bringing in the bones of the Elephant Man straight from Michael Jackson's estate. Well, Keith, I, I'm sorry, Derek, you, you know, you kind of pointed out how it, there's kind of a variety, a bit of a buffet. Maybe we can come up with a name that's, that's consistent with that. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. <laughs> what was Smorgasbord? Ooh, Ooh, that's good. Smorgashord. Smorgashord? The Smorgashord tour? Because that, I mean, that's really what it is. Do you really, do you really have to lean into the shows about it too? Smorgashord. Smorgashord. Because <laughs> really, after they're going through that drive-thru and, and listening to the Dairy Queen's Reich, um, it's just a free-for-all in there. It's just one giant blob of people. It's just a horde. And an elephant. Don't forget that elephant. I like that quite a bit. I think it, it captures kind of the theme and the variety that we have here. So are we all in agreement that the name of the festival is the Smorgasbord Tour? Yeah, I think we got a winner there. First annual, yeah. First annual. Yeah, uh, uh, Smorgasbord uh, Fest. Because <laughs> uh, if you say tour, it means you're going to be taking it around places, right? Well, I think it's kind of just, we'll just see what happens after it, you know? If everyone's feeling like packing up and going, we'll just go. Then it then it turns into a tour. We already know if if it's multiple dates in the same location, I probably will still be there. But you know. <laughs> yes. So do we want to go the Smorgasbord tour or Smorgasbord fest? It it could be like uh, the gathering at the Smorgasbord. Well, I think what we all would agree on is that there's no wrong answer here. No, there's a wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like how horde tour sounds to be right. honest because that's how I imagine like Genghis Khan like probably advertise himself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Did Genghis Khan advertise? Yeah, I mean, he how do you how do you think he got so many people? It, it wasn't that he conquered so many people and forced them to join his armies. He advertised. Oh, okay. Good marketing campaign. He's a bit of a Don Draper himself, you know. Like the circus is coming to town sort of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> the Mongolians are coming. All right. Well, I, I think we've completed our task for today, and we've settled on the sh- the first annual Smorgasbord tour. All right. <laughs> I like it. Everybody satisfied with that? I can't wait. I'm very satisfied. Excellent. Okay. Well, Paul, did you want to say anything else before we wrapped up? Oh, no. I can't wait for this tour, and I, I, I hope we can organize another one very soon. I do as well. Great. All right. We only have one more piece of business before we go, and that's I want to turn to each of you guys and let you guys... Share with everybody where you're from and where to find your shows. Paul, you first. Where can we find Drew's show? <laughs> Put me on the spot there, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Paul, <laughs> tell us the name of your show and where can we find it? Thanks, Toph. Uh, my show is called The Varmints Podcast. I am the host of it, along with my co-host, Donna Hume. She's wonderful. And it's basically a nerdy podcast about animals. All right, Keith. Tell us about your show and where we can find it. Uh, I'm the uh, one of the two co-hosts, along with Derek, of the Pop-Up Filmcast, where we fabricate fictitious film festivals and movie marathons. And we do that every Tuesday. You can find us on uh, Podbean is our main home. And then from there, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher. We are on Spotify. Uh, give us a listen. A lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of good festivals there as well. Uh, check it out. Great. Drew, what about you? Um, so I am one of the co-hosts along with Nathan and Tanner, my two friends of the Headline Heroes podcast, where we take crazy, wacky, uh, news article headlines and use them as inspiration for a comic book origin story. So we get some crazy heroes and villains, um, out of that. Uh, we are on iTunes. We just got on Spotify. We're pretty excited about that. So, uh, yeah, uh, check us out. And we'll wrap up with you, Derek. Uh, like he said, Tuesdays, pop-up filmcast, but if you want more wacky me, why wouldn't you? Every other Wednesday, myself and aspiring entrepreneurs, we use three random elements to create pitches for ridiculous things, and that's the Wild Pitch Podcast at wildpitchpodcast.com and wildpitchcast on all the socials. Well, my sincere thanks to each of the three of you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. I am honored. My sincere thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this was great. 
Great. Thanks, guys. And Paul, thanks for being my co-host and for coming up with the idea for today's episode. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Really was fun. Absolutely. All right, here are some credits. There are three ways you can donate or support the show financially. First, you can go to patreon.com forward slash gravitybeard. We're also on PayPal. That link is paypal.me forward slash gravitybeard. Or you can search our email, contactthebeard at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Venmo by searching gravitybeard, all one word. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network. It's a terrific lineup of shows. Go to podfixnetwork.com to check them all out or search at Podfix on Twitter. Also, please check out Podfix Presents. It's a podcast from the collective minds of the Podfix Network. Listen to it on Apple Podcasts or any other podcatcher. You can find our show on Twitter by searching at The Gravity Beard. We have a Facebook group for the show called The Gravity Beard Interns. Come find us there. Or you can call us on The Gravity Beard Hotline. That number is 321-465-2180. Our theme song is Sophomore Makeout by Silent Partner. Their stuff can be found on the YouTube audio library. You've been listening to Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Sorry, Keith. I don't know, man. That's rough. Rough.